Welcome to the Tossing Clubs Podcast. Next on the tee, your hosts, Frank Jang, Zach Moses, and Aaron Tan. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tossing Clubs podcast. This is Frank. I'm joined by Zach. What's up, Frank? What's up, guys? What's up? And Aaron. What's up, guys? All right, guys, what are we talking about today? We're talking about how we're going to get better because, man, our golf games are rough right now. Um, You know, question, Zach, I know you got something real special, right, that you got in the mail the first part of getting better you want to talk about it so i've definitely struggled off the tee especially with my driver and so as most golfers do i bought a brand new driver the 600 dollars tailor-made self plus it's a beautiful club got it in the mail last week super psyched to hit it went out to the range hit it about 20 30 times I was striping it it's man it is nice yesterday I had a trip planned to go to Five Iron Golf. For those that don't know what Five Iron Golf is, it's a indoor simulator company. They've been popping up in a lot of big cities, Chicago, New York, brand new to Seattle. And it's a bunch of indoor simulators and you can play a lot of really cool courses. You can play Pebble Beach or St. Andrews. Um, and it has all the latest technology, uses Trackmans, etc. So I was super psyched to go, packing up my golf bag, want to just like you know take a look at my driver because it's brand new take it out of the bag take the head cover off and i hear a rattle and i'm like oh shit brand new driver six hundred dollars and then i shake it and i hear another rattle and there's a rattle within the club head meaning something is cracked after literally 20 swings of the golf club brand new club dude no way Wait, are you serious right now? serious. Oh, my God. yesterday. Are you going to take it back? Like, what's going to happen then? Yeah, so I immediately, like, freaked out. (laughs) I was like, how did this happen? Like, brand news. Like, this shouldn't happen. No, like, weird swings in there. Like, it was perfectly fine on the range. Immediately called TaylorMade, and basically what you do is you take it, and they're like, okay, it's fine. Like, we'll ship you a new one. I was like, okay, thank God. Um for a club being so new like it's within 30 days of getting it and they're like yeah sure you can have a new one so like yeah thank goodness but um had to take it into like a a local retailer for tailor-made um and i did that today after work uh dropped it off and they're gonna ship one out a new one so i should be getting a new club later this week but it i was in like just absolute panic mode last night didn't know what to do didn't know if i was like thrown away $600 on a brand new club and would have had to buy a new one. So thankful. Wait, <laughs> thankful when, that a new uh, one's coming. when do you think that happened? Like when do you think it broke? Uh, I mean, it could have been a lot of different, I mean, look, I, I we took 20, 30 swings on it. Um, felt fine. It hard too. I probably hit it in a weird spot. I haven't been hitting my driver well recently so it could have been any one of those i guess the biggest thing is like brand new club like no weird shots why is it rattling 
what's rattling in there like you usually get that when you've hit a club you know hundreds thousands of times hit it like 30 times so was, it's just like weird to be honest and um yeah put a little bit of a damper on this brand new club but excited to get a new one in the mail get to <laughs> re-experience that you know new club feeling but it was it was a scary moment last night well, shout out to taylor made for the good customer service I know. You know, it's interesting. I've seen online from Reddit and other forums. It's just the because of such of the because the high demand for golf. There's been a lot of new clubs ordered, and so the quality control has sort of dipped a little bit. I've seen a lot of photos, a lot of posts actually, where uh, they buy brand new clubs, and then on the irons, there's like a crack on top of the iron. I've seen that. I've seen. Uh, irons where the face caves in and these are all with like new clubs too and you just never hear about the you know clubs caving in that were made 10-15 years ago right like those old clubs they're they feel like they're indestructible yeah it's really weird also like when i got the club in the mail it wasn't packed very securely like i know you guys have seen the video and it's up in our tiktok and everything and like you open up the package and it's literally just like in its head cover it's like it's not really wrapped with much bubble wrap or anything and it's kind of just sitting there and i mean you see videos of different delivery companies and delivery drivers tossing packages around and like i'm not surprised that there's a lot of clubs that are showing up at people's houses a little bit dinged up just because i mean unless you're going to the store and picking it off the rack and it looks great like you don't know what's going to happen during shipment so especially with those clubs that have, you know, the graphite shafts and stuff that bends a little bit. It's a little bit scary. Jeez, dude. Well, I'm glad uh, TaylorMade sending you another one. Uh, Aaron, I know you have also have relatively new clubs, right? Your P790s. You want to talk about how beautiful they are? Yep, they are beautiful. My uh, instructor, so I've been taking lessons at Golf Tech, and I ordered through him, so luckily... I didn't have to worry about any of that. I didn't do any unboxing or anything. I, I just got fitted and, and, uh, I got to try a, a bunch of different shafts, a bunch of different heads. And yeah, I landed on the P seven nineties and I love them. The, you know, I'm thinking, like I've mentioned before, I'm thinking about getting new clubs and, uh, P seven nineties, like people say, those are clubs that, you know, people on tour can hit and people who are, who want some distance they can hit as well so they're definitely on my list as well dude yeah i've actually seen a lot of people like just in casual rounds i've seen a lot of people with the p790s in their bags for like all different skill levels and like i, I think it's a it's a like forgiving enough club but also you get a ton of distance a ton of speed out of it and it just feels really easy to hit and easy to work and yeah and yeah team taylor made <laughs> i you know i know this is about uh you know how to get better and you know i think during our equipment episode we talked about oh yeah it's probably like your like your clubs aren't going to fix your swing but when you do buy clubs there are clubs that are you know as we have stated are more for higher handicaps and i personally being one of those people i bought a few woods from callaway and i would say when you you know, you go Callaway pre-owned. There's uh, they're super helpful. They have great customer service as well. 
Uh, the pricing is really good and you're buying used clubs, but they look basically brand new. And so one of my favorite clubs to hit is my three wood, which is the Maverick, uh, I think it's called the Maverick, sorry, Maverick Max. And I used to be, ne I used to never be able to hit a three wood off the deck. Uh, and I think Zach, you remember I had a tailor-made like M6 three wood that I would just, I, I don't even know why I had it, uh, but just be on the lookout for any types of clubs that are for, you know, higher handicaps because they, I feel like they actually do make some sort of a difference if you have some basic swing mechanics. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, clubs can definitely help um, with, with game improvement, but I think, you know, what it really comes down to is just getting out there and practicing and working on different things. And I know like for all of us, our games are at different spots right now and we're focusing on different things. We have different goals for, for the year, uh, both on and off the golf course. And maybe, I don't know, Frank, if you want to kick us off here with, with some of your, your goals or things that you're working on for game improvement. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. So I asked everyone to list five goals and be as specific as they can because this is the year to get better at golf. Uh, we're doing a golf podcast, so we should be good at golf. So I'll uh, kick us off. So my overarching goal is to break 90. All right. And, you know, how am I going to get there? Because that's a very lofty goal. I, is it my irons? Is it my chipping? Is it my putting and whatnot? Well, the first goal I have is to get a seven iron because I'm missing a club in my bag and it's really hard to hit the green sometimes from certain distances. <laughs> so I hope to get that soon. The next goal I have is to take one lesson a month. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, I've taken lessons, but at a cadence that's, you know, maybe two months or three months in between one lesson and the last. And, uh, Every time it feels like I'm starting over again because after that lesson, I'm really into it. I remember all of the tips, but after a while, you know, you just forget about it and then you go back to your old habits. So try to make that more structured. The fourth goal I have is to get on the course once a month. Uh, it's very different between practicing on the range and actually playing on the course. Uh, when you realize that you don't have another ball to hit, if you, you know, hit one off the heel or whatnot, it adds this additional level of just, um, you know, being anxious or being tight before hitting the golf ball. So not only do I want to work on it on the range, I also want to take it on the course. Uh, and my last goal is to work on chipping twice a month. And I'm not talking about, okay, after a range session, you know, just hit a few chips here and there. I mean, twice a month, I go to the, the driving range and then I just go to the chipping area and I just do chip, chip, chip. And I don't even hit balls or buy a bucket. I just work on my chipping because uh, at Kapalua, I felt like that's really where it was frustrating, where I might have landed the ball near the hole, but I couldn't really get it anywhere close to the green or near the hole afterwards. So those are my five. Any takes on that? Are there certain things that you're working on with your swing coach, like with during your lessons, like as you're going from someone that's shooting the, you know, mid nineties, low hundreds and trying to get up to that 90 mark and break it. Like, what does your coach have you working on right now? Right now it's feeling connected. Uh, and I think this past lesson that I had this past weekend, it was probably one, one of the most productive lessons because 
the before and after of my uh, swing, it, it, it was huge. Um, and feeling connected, like I really didn't know what that meant because, well, no one really taught me, right? But it was more of, okay, you got to dig your el right elbow into your rib cage. And so that it, it's, it, it's basically that drill where you have a towel or a glove or anything and you stick it in between your armpits and during your backswing and during your uh, downswing, like that item stays in your armpit so you stay connected. Uh, and with that, um, I got a lot more shaft lean and I'm compressing the ball better. It's just, uh, you know, I need to get more reps in to really, you know, hammer that idea home. Yeah, I love the uh, the focus on, like, practice and improvement because I think that's one thing that people, especially casual golfers, it's, like, easy to do, but they overlook it. They'll just go out, play around, and, you know, they don't think about golf until the next time out. But, like, even just one range session or, you know, once every couple weeks or something, just getting some reps in, especially with the chipping. I, I was just talking to someone about this. Chipping and putting are so important to scoring in golf, but they're the most boring things to practice. Like, most people, probably, like, 95% of people, like, go to the range, hit balls, leave. Go to the range, hit balls, leave. Like, no one's working on chipping. There's, like, you know, three people on the putting green or whatever, but, like, practicing that, just like getting developing a feel around the greens is so important and it makes playing actually playing golf like so much more fun. So I, I definitely, I think those are great goals. Appreciate it. Yeah. I think, uh, this will be the year that I break 90 and hopefully consistently, uh, who wants to go next? I'm happy to go. Uh, so I kind of split up my goals into a couple of different like categories like i have a few goals that are related to on the course and how i want to play my game and then a couple goals that are more just like general golf go golf goals and i guess like, i'll start with the, those latter two and like for me like having a job being busy doing other things i don't get onto the course as much as i'd like and i'd like to play 15 rounds of golf this year i think last year i probably played I don't know, eight to 10. Um, but I'd like to play a little bit more than once a month. Uh, I'd love to play more if I could, but I think at least getting to 15 will get me to a point where, you know, I'm out there enough that I can actually see some changes on the course and, and maybe shoot some better scores. On top of that, I haven't taken a lesson in 15, like 15 years. And I want to take lessons again. I think my swing is in a decent spot, but I'm sure there's plenty of things that I could work on, especially with like the mental game, the course strategy game that a coach could be super helpful. I think right now I struggle with when I go to the course or go to the range, I don't really know what to practice. And I think I could use some direction from a coach on yeah, what to focus on, what to practice, where to make the most out of my swing in my game. Uh, so those are kind of my two like overall big golf goals. I think on the course, like I, I want to get back to shooting in the 80s consistently. I'd love to break 80 again. It's been a very long time. I think my biggest hurdle right now is tee shots. And it's not necessarily, I mean, it could be a, a swing thing. It could be a technical thing. But there is a huge mental block for me when it comes to teeing a ball up, hitting a driver, hitting a three wood, and keeping that ball in play. 
Um, and so like a goal for me is go out there, play around and, you know, hit 50% of the shots in the fairway off the tee, which I mean, right now that seems impossible for me. And I think a lot of it is this mental block that I talk about. I'm kind of avoiding the word, but I think there is a bit of a, a moderate case of yips that I'm going through. Um, and I think for, for golfers that might not be familiar, the yips is kind of like a twitch in your swing or in your putting stroke. Um, it's usually caused by like just like some anxiety or nervousness over a shot. A lot of times it happens to golfers on like a first tee and you see shanks, you see blocks, you see things that aren't that are a bit abnormal that you're not doing on the range because you're, you know, stuff's going on in your head and, and you just can't uh, pull off the shot when you need to. So that's like, that's probably my number one goal is to get over this mental block this year and be able to hit tee shots in play. Cause I feel like the rest of my game is in a pretty good spot. I have a pretty decent iron play. I'm good around the greens. I can make some putts. And I think if I can get that back together, I could start shooting some pretty good scores uh, I'd say the last couple of things I want to focus on, up and downs around the green, I'd like to get that around 40%. I think for most single-digit handicaps, if you they're around 40 50% around the green, so I'd like to be there. And then a goal that I kind of just have for every round, and I, I don't think I've done it in a long time, is no three-putts, which is definitely hard. But those are the little things, getting up and down and, and not having three-putts that keep your scores a lot lower. So those are the things I'm, I'm focusing on this year. Yeah, you know they say driver show putt for dough, but I feel like sometimes I like you you need a drive for dough too, you know, because you're just losing balls and getting those penalty strokes. How are you uh, going to be working on the the mental block? So it's it's super interesting. I went down a bit of a rabbit hole over the weekend, reading about yips, diving into the space listening to experts and trying to figure out like how do you get over this mental block when your swing's fine but you get on the tee box and you just feel like you have no idea where the ball is going to go and it's this is not just a problem that shows up for beginners this is a problem that shows up for plenty of professionals you know we've talked about daniel kang on on plenty of episodes she was the cover on golf digest a couple months ago if you go read her feature article she talks a lot about having an entire year of professional tournaments where she had the driver yips like she'd literally get on a tee and she could not hit the tee shot. She would just like sit there. She'd have to step away. She'd have to go back to her bag. She'd have to go through her, her entire routine again before she could get comfortable over a tee shot. And these are the types of things, these yips, that cause plenty of tour players to just like end their careers. Like at that level, you obviously need to get, keep your ball in play. For our level, it's a little bit different, but like it, it's a major problem. And a lot of it is you need to like do anything but focus on hitting the ball which sounds really strange when you think about it but a lot of the mental block is you're focused on the ball you swing right at impact you have a little bit of a twitch maybe you open your club face you block it right and like that's the error but if you just swing comfortably and regularly on the range like you have no issues and so what a lot of people do is they try to trick their brain into just swinging like naturally. And so like one thing is you could kind of just like step to the ball, step up to the ball and go really quickly. Don't take any waggles or anything. Kind of just almost like happy Gilmore it because you don't have any time to think about what could go wrong and you just go into it. I've heard some swing coaches talk about focusing only on target. Like don't even think about the ball, even like look away from the ball when you swing, which sounds pretty odd, but just think about, you know, picture a shot, focus on the target uh, and try that. 
I've heard David Ledbetter did this really, really strange thing where he was focusing on the bill of his cap while he took a swing, which would probably make me dizzy, and I don't really know how he did that, but he took an entire swing just like staring at his cap so he wouldn't look at the ball. And so it's a lot of these like little tricks, little things to you know, change how you're thinking about your shot. You know, it's part of the reason I want to go back to a swing coach because maybe they have some tips, maybe some things that I could focus on. Maybe I could get really technical, focus on a technical thing in my swing. So it kind of takes my mind off what could go wrong. I'll stop thinking about the water, stop thinking about houses, whatever it might be when I'm hitting a tee shot. But it, it's definitely going to be one of the hardest things that I'll have to do on the golf course. Like it's quite a mental journey. Golf's such a mental game and it's it's a disaster. I don't I don't wish it upon any golfer out there it's it can really ruin like the amount of fun that you're having out on the course so i will continue to share how this goes um live out in the open and and if i if i find any cures to the yips the driver yips i'll definitely let everyone on this podcast know (laughs) fantastic you know one of my one of the first times i played golf with you i remember it was on the last hole it was a par three and then there were cars on the left side and then he just looked suddenly like just looked nervous <laughs> and it's like whoa like this guy played golf like during high school he's really good and then he went on to talk about oh yeah like you hooked a ball into a car before right or something something along that and then it, it always starts like, with Oof. something tiny like that right like maybe for a pro it's like they hit a ball in the water and an important tee shot and then they can't get that thought out of their head or for me it's like yeah like you know it costs money to fix other people's cars like i mean like i don't want to <laughs> blow up some person's windshield so i think as i as i have gotten older like in high school i didn't care right i could just swing at anything like wouldn't matter i had full confidence and now it's like oh there's like responsibilities in life and like i don't want to injure someone and like big things like that there's like houses on the right side of the fairway which i wasn't even thinking about as a kid and now i'm an adult so it comes to mind and it's honestly ruined my golf game (laughs) what i am curious about just from like another potential factor of this, like obviously the yips are real and and something that you struggle with, but technically like one thing we've talked about before is you have a little bit of a flip in your wrists at impact. And that's something that like definitely causes, you know, like if you don't time it up perfect, uh, then the ball, you can miss it right. You can miss it left. And, you know, you're enough of a natural and you've been doing it for a long enough time that you, you, your little flip, like you can time it, but I'm curious to see if like, that is something like on the technical side that maybe if that got ironed out and you have a little bit more of a consistent impact position that that would at least help also where you you don't have to, you know, you don't have to time something perfectly in the swing to hit it in the fairway. Um, but, you know, obviously that that's probably a two-parter. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Like, I definitely come a little bit too inside at, to out. And like you said, I, I have to time it perfectly. I'm hoping that with the swing coach, like, they'll straighten that out a bit. And then I'll have, a, a like, more room for error when I'm at impact. So, yeah, we'll see. It's a, it's a great point. Yeah, good stuff. I think, Zach you're going to be well shooting in the 70s in no time with a coach. So looking forward to that. Oh, baby. That's right. All right, Aaron, what do you got? All right. So uh, my my scoring goal that I have was um, or is to break 80. I've done it a couple times before. I did it, I think, 
three times last year. That was, those are the only times I've done it in my life. Um, but I'm definitely at a point right now where I, if I don't like focus the whole round, I'm shooting in the nineties, um, shot 103 at Kapalua. It can get out of control. I want to get lower like consistently, but I want to break 80. Like, I think I want to break 80 twice this year if I can. Uh, it's kind of a lofty goal, but I think that's where I'm at in terms of scoring. Um, another thing that I'm not sure if I've talked about it on this podcast, but I've been playing, um, or I just joined a NCGA group that hosts uh, tournaments like once a month. And so I'll be playing in maybe like 10 tournaments this uh, this year. And my goal would be to place top five in a tournament. And for context, there's like 30 or 40 uh, entrants or players usually. Um, and I played in one so far this year and I came in second to last. So it's definitely going to be a little bit of work, but I think that'll go hand in hand with my scoring. If I can get, uh, you know, put some good rounds together and get more consistent then. I think I'll be able to do that, which is, which is fun for me. Cause it's a, it's kind of, it's like a competitive part of golf where not only am I just playing to go low, but I'm playing to beat other people that are playing the same course as me on the same day. So that's pretty fun. Um, also I was thinking in terms of like stats, like putting, driving, I think the one place that I could improve the most is greens and regulation um my especially my mid irons i'm almost always missing the green i'm usually pin high but i'm usually like left or right um and so my goal would be to hit 10 greens in regulation in a round right now i'm hitting it's like two or three it's bad um getting a whole lot of chipping practice out there but if i can get to 10 like more than half um i think that would be huge for for just getting my irons back on track and giving myself chances to actually make some birdies um, or some easy pars. Um, another other goal that I have that's kind of different dimension, um, which is that my actual swing, like I'm a super golf swing nerd and I'm always like making a change in my swing. You guys know, I'm always like thinking about something technical in my swing, always like doing something. And usually when I play around, I'm like in between some sort of swing change, but I definitely feel like I've been putting a lot of time into it the past since winter, basically, um, since winter started. And my goal would be to just like complete, like have a swing that I'm happy with and be able to just work with that. and be able to play, start playing rounds with my swing that I'm comfortable with and, you know, focus on other things besides, you know, the angle of my wrists or how much my hips are clearing and stuff like that. Um, and the biggest thing for me, I think, uh, swing change wise is to maintain my posture through my swing. Like one of the biggest faults I have is an early extension where my hips get, uh, out of posture quickly too early. And, um, I've been working on that with some success. I was showing Frank the other day, um, making some progress. So I hope to get that in order in the, in the next few months, hopefully by summer. Um, 
And then the last goal I have, which I kind of just thought of as Zach was talking earlier, is to get a new driver. So I have I've all my clubs I got in 2012 and 2013, right after I graduated college, and I've been playing them for now it's 10 years or nine years. And just recently I upgraded everything except for my driver. That's the last thing in the bag. That thing is super old. And at this point, like the face is dead at this point. I think I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm happy enough with my swing and I can hit fairways enough that like, I think I deserve a new driver. So I'm going to hopefully get myself, you know, save up a little bit, get fitted, get a new driver and complete the setup. I'm assuming you're going to get a tailor made based off the rest of your set of clubs. You know, I got to hit the stealth and the new rogue and off just like a couple, it was probably like 10 swings each. I actually like the feel of the rogue. So we'll see. It's not like for sure, but I mean, there's a lot to be said for that name, Taylor made written on the club. The rogue, the rogue's nice too. I mean, I like that club. Um, two things I wanted to call out about your goals that I really liked. Uh, first was the greens and regulation. I think for your game, if you hit 10 greens in regulation with your short game, you're probably getting up and down maybe 40% of the time with the rest of those holes. Like you're going to become an easy, like single digit handicap break 80 type of player. Like that'd be huge for you. Uh, I think, yeah, like you usually keep the ball in play great short game. And it's, if you can dial in that iron play, you're right there. And, I can, that kind of leads into another one of your goals. I think if you straighten that up, you'll be a great tournament player. And I think that's one cool thing that Frank and I did not have on our goals is we don't really have that competition like opportunity because we aren't playing in tournaments. And that's a whole different type of golf game performing under pressure. So yeah, super excited to see how you, you do with these tournaments. And I think, yeah, finishing top five, trying to i mean yeah but just that drive that like competition it's awesome and um super cool to be able to do that yeah overall i love all of your goals uh very quantifiable i love the fact that you want a new driver i'm all about that i think if i were to add one thing having played with you before i think it's not the mid to long irons like you talked about the mid irons but the long irons and uh, like a three wood. I don't know if you're hitting your three wood now, but I remember you used to not hit it. And so I think if you have a three wood in the bag that you can hit for those par fives, um, and then again, like with your short game, you'll probably getting, you know, be getting birdie at worst a par on those holes. I mean, that that's going to be amazing. 100%. That's something that I, I thought of, but since I, you pretty much pull out three wood as long as you can keep your driver in play, you pull out three wood on the par fives. And I figured I'd, I'd give a, a goal that kind of affects more of the round, but a hundred percent. I, if I pull my three wood out, I'm, Oh man, more than 50% of the time I'm like topping it, losing the ball left, losing it. Right. No idea where it's going. So yeah, that that's definitely like a secondary goal for me. Get, get comfortable with my three wood love it love it yeah i think these are our goals let's keep track of them and hopefully by the end of the year we accomplish most if not all of them and 
Uh, speaking of people who accomplish golf goals, uh, you guys want to talk about the Genesis recap and, and you know the people who are actually good at golf. Um, so this past weekend, the Genesis Invitational, Joaquin Neiman at 23 years old uh, beat people like Colin Morikawa, Rory McIlroy, um, all of the top hitters uh, to win his second PGA event. And you could see it. It was very special for him. Guys, anything you want to call out about this event? Yeah, congrats to Joaquin Neiman. For sure, like the first thing that catches my eye about him and probably anyone who watches any amount of golf is his swing is very unique. It's definitely the swing of a 23-year-old. He, For anyone that hasn't seen it, he kind of takes the club away traditionally and then he just like fires super hard through impact and his spine position instead of getting more vertical it gets more horizontal and it just looks like like he's got to be so flexible to do that i don't know how how like it looks like it hurts especially when you watch it in slow motion it's like how does his back bend that way but um obviously he makes it work and that's his swing um it's it's definitely interesting like hearing him talk about it i heard him just answer a couple questions about it and he said that it started when he was younger and his coach said like just feel like you're skipping rocks on the water and so he did that and he that that was just what happened and i think it's it's amazing to see sometimes like that you can have like just a core feel and turn that into your unique swing and i mean that's kind of something that I think makes golf a lot easier um, where if you, you just build your swing around like one or two thoughts and you can, you can get all the fundamentals with that, like, man, it's great. But I'm curious, I'm definitely curious to see like how his swing evolves, um, you know, a couple years down the road or maybe 10 years down the road. Cause man, it looks like you gotta be so flexible to do that. Yeah, his body is basically bending at a right angle, and he it feels like he's snapping the crap out of his spine and then his neck. Uh, he shouts the club so well. Uh, he hits it real good. I mean, he's definitely someone who I feel like is going to be irrelevant for a long time just based on his ball striking, where he has trouble is his putting, but you know, this tournament, he did more than adequate on that front. I'm also surprised at how far he hits it. Like, he bombs it, and he's not a huge dude. He's pretty slender, not super tall, and there's something about that swing where he just, he's yeah, 300, 330 out there, just piping it. It's sweet. I'd also say, yeah, just like another amazing tournament right after the WM Phoenix Open, another loaded leaderboard, a bunch of the top 10 players in the world all playing at one of the greatest courses in the world at Riviera. It was super cool to see, like, if you look at the top 10, the results at the end of the tournament, the age of all these players, like Joaquin, 23, Colin Morikawa, second place, he's 25, Cameron Young, third, 24, Victor Hovland, a top five performance, he's 24, Scotty Scheffler was in the top 10, he's 25, Justin Thomas, also a top 10, he's the oldest of this group, he's 28, but if you think about the future of the game, where golf's going, it's no longer about 
you know, the Phil Mickelson's, the Tiger Woods, although Tiger should be coming back. But like there's this new crop of kids all in the early 20s that are taking over golf. And it's super exciting. It's super cool to see. And yeah, these are the names that we're going to see on leaderboards at the majors, the big tournaments for, for many years to come. And I think so. Yeah, I, I loved how that tournament was very representative of what the future of golf will probably look like. Yeah, it was super cool to see Tiger back in the booth answering some questions. He's unfortunately not going to play anytime soon. I uh, see coming back from that car accident, but you know, it's always cool to see the GOAT come in, you know, make a public appearance. One thing that we did start with the Genesis Re- uh, Invitational is our DraftKings lineups, and we have the results. In third place is Aaron with, uh, unfortunately, Matt Fitzpatrick having to, what, what happened to him? He, uh, I think he got sick or something. He withdrew the morning of Thursday. So, you know what? Like, honestly, even with him, I would not have been competitive with that lineup. So, it's okay. We'll get him next week. Very unfortunate. In second place, uh, unfortunately as well, is me. Uh, But only a sliver, right, Zach? Yeah, I only beat you by a couple points, and it's because... Colin, I picked Colin Morikawa, and he shot six under on Sunday. He parred the last hole, and that gave me like just a tiny edge over your picks. I think we had a few similar guys. Like we both had Max Homa, who had great week, a great week. Uh, I know I had Rory on my list, and he had a pretty strong week. I thought what was interesting about it, and this is my first time kind of playing this DraftKings pick'em format, was you really need your players to make the cut because you need to collect as many points as you can from birdies and pars on the weekend. I actually, I mean, I had one guy who didn't make the cut, and I, the only reason I won is because I basically almost picked the winner with picking Colin. So you either pick the guy who wins the tournament, or you just pick a bunch of guys who, who make the cut. And so, yeah, it's super interesting, super fun, excited for what we're going to do for this Honda Classic this next week. Yes, yes, this Honda Classic uh, coming up. But before we get to that, this is just a reminder that our, we're doing this weekly DraftKings competition. We've decided that first place gets three points, second place gets two points, and last place gets one point. And at the end of uh, either the season or calendar year, uh, TBD, we will have a punishment, which is also TBD. Um, so looking forward to you know resolving that uh for you know question mark uh i'm pretty sure it's either gonna be me or aaron based off of our uh, fantasy football history uh wait aaron 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 just won a championship (laughs) in fantasy football i'm yeah i'm the defending champion okay well i just wanted to say (laughs) i don't appreciate but before that though i mean I mean, the sample size is very small for one year. Aaron's turned around his his fantasy football career. I I can't really say the same thing about you, Frank, after being in the last place matchup the last three years. But uh, maybe you'll be a little little bit stronger at the golf golf game. Yeah, maybe I'm just, uh, yeah, maybe I'll be better with that picking people in golf. Uh, Next week, the Honda Classic uh, taking place at PGA National in Palm Beach Gardens, uh, Florida. 7,100 yards in 2021, Matt Jones was the winner at a score of minus 12, five better than the next uh, best score. Guys, uh, any any comments on this specific event? This is one that doesn't really have a lot of big names. Yeah, not, not a ton to say, to be honest. I mean, I think it's definitely a weaker field. You don't have a lot of the top 10 players in the world. 
I think what's happening here is the Players' Championship is coming up here in a couple weeks. That's a, honestly like one of the, like the fifth major, you could say. And so a lot of players are taking some time off. They're resting up. They're preparing for that tournament. And so this is definitely one where you might not recognize all the names on, on the leaderboard, um, but it's a good opportunity for some of the other guys, um, maybe some of the Corn Ferry players, tour players that got exemptions to, to give it a test out on the PGA tour. So should be another good one. Yep. And, uh, this, uh, this course, what's known for is the bear trap, right? Um, really a tough three hole stretch. And what's known for it, I think it's, it's basically, there's a lot of wire for those three holes, right? Yeah. I think there's a lot of water all over this course. There's water in play on like 15 of the 18 holes or something. So, that's the big thing there. Oh, geez. All right, guys. Uh, should we uh, review our DraftKings lineups? You know, I had some trouble picking my lineup. Uh, Aaron, you want to go first? Yeah, I also had trouble picking my lineup. This is a good – I think it's a good chance for us to get to know some of the other uh, names on the tour, not necessarily the big names or former world number ones, you know. Um, I – went with the highest priced player to uh anchor my team sung jm um he's won this before and i think his game is in pretty good shape um i think i picked him last week actually so um definitely gonna ride him um another guy that (laughs) your team got lost though (laughs) I mean, he, I think he was like the best. Hey, I I only had five players out of six, so. <laughs> Sung J M is, oh, I just deleted my guy. Um, Sung J M is definitely my top guy. I'm gonna ride or die with him this week. Um, I also picked Aaron Wise. He's a lot lower down, but he's someone that I've kind of watched, uh, recently. Don't know too much about him, but his name's Aaron um and he's played well when i've paid attention to him um i think he's got some good you know strokes gained stats um and then i'm <laughs> with that pattern i didn't even realize i did this but i but i also picked aaron rye um so i'm just picking all the aarons but he's someone that i've seen on social media actually um on on instagram i follow uh, me and my golf uh, to get you know a couple of tips and I think there's some good teachers and and he's one guy that I've seen on their page a, a friend of the page so um, saw him in there decided to pick him up and yeah the other guys I, I just kind of picked based on you know recent performance and uh, and yeah I'm hoping to get some better results than last week wait is that six that was uh I'll be honest. I don't know enough about some of the other golfers yet, so let's just say that those are those guys are going to carry my lineup. That's my prediction. All right. We'll all right, post the lineups right. on TikTok so everyone can see. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Zach, what? Uh, who's in your lineup? So, it's an assortment of a bunch of players I'm not too familiar with, uh, and I think that kind of just goes to show the field that's out there at the Honda Classic this week. Um, I got Daniel Berger uh, on my squad. Had a great Ryder Cup for the Team USA, so I'm going with him. Tommy Fleetwood. Haven't seen him a bunch recently, but feel like he's always around, makes cuts. Um, CT Pan. 
quietly had a top 10 last week at the Genesis Invitational. I think he's going to continue that momentum into this week, uh, so grabbed him. Um, went with my boy Harry Higgs again. Uh, shirts off on, on hole 16 at, at uh, the Phoenix Open, so we're trying it again. Uh, my least favorite pick is, is Patrick Reed. Um, I, I can't say I'm a huge fan of him. Don't always agree with what his actions on and off the course, but I do feel like this is a get right week for him. I feel like it's one of those tournaments where it, like no one cares and he's going to come out there and win and then just like, you know, brag that he's, his name's Patrick Reed or something dumb like that. So he's on my list. And my last guy, I believe is Bo Hausler, Hausler, um, Hosler, uh, who's uh, still a young dude, pretty strong game. Uh, I think he's a California kid, so going with him. If Patrick Reed wins, will you will you say on this podcast that PXG is a legit manufacturer? <laughs> if Patrick Reed wins, <laughs> I, I will do that. Yes, I will. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, I'm I love it, him. love it, yes. I'm rooting for him too this week now. He's not in my lineup, but I'm rooting for him. All right, so my lineup has uh, some common threads with both of your lineups. So I'm also picking Sung Jay, a huge fan of his. I, I would say I was the first fan of his out of U3. Uh, picked him to win the Masters, and I think he did well. He didn't end up winning, but he did uh, well um, during the... December Masters, the one that was uh, just you know off schedule. Uh, I'm also picking CT Pan. Uh, he had he was T3 last year, and like Zach said, T10 at the Genesis. So rooting for my guy. You know he was also part of the Presidents Cup team and uh, performed well there. I think he's a West Coast guy uh, from Washington as well. I'm also picking Ricky Fowler. Uh, I think Ricky's trying to find his swing back, obviously, sort of like Jordan Spieth, but, uh, you know, Jordan Spieth, he found his swing last year, and Ricky is, uh, I think, close to that. He's getting there. I feel like he's shooting better and better scores. He actually won here in 2017. Um, Obviously, that was a different time, but, uh, you know, it shows that he is familiar with this course, and he is comfortable there and can perform well. Uh, I also picked Keith Mitchell. He's a Mizuno guy. I love people who play Mizunos because Mizunos are the best. He also uh, has a video with Good Good. Also love Good Good. So, you know, by association, he's awesome. And he actually won here in 2018. So, uh, again, the trend is, you know, if you've played here before and you've done well, you know, I like your chances. My last two, Brendan Todd. He's a guy who hits fairways. He's actually a guy who had the yips. And he has a really interesting... A podcast episode with no laying up in which he goes into depth about how he, his yips and how he conquered them so zach i don't know if you have time but you might want to check out that episode actually i do have a comment on that because i was looking at that over the weekend and his thing was very similar to mine in that he was leaving his club face open at a dress and you get these like slice blocks and what he did to fix it was actually backwards of what you would think a lot of people would think okay let's try to hit a hook to overcome the slice but what he had his coach do was 
open the club face even further as he was taking it back. So at the top of his swing, it looked like it was wide open. And what that did to his head was like, okay, my club face is wide open. I need to close it a ton. And that would make him close it even further and get back to like straight at impact. So it was kind of like this weird mental trick um, to make him come through his shots fully and square his face at impact. And that's how he, he got over the Oh, ups. wow, that's super interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a guy who, um, I remember that particular episode, it was just like one of my favorite No Laying Up episodes, so anyone out there listening to this, definitely recommend that uh, particular piece uh, with Brennan Todd. My last guy is Hudson Swafford, and I'll be honest, I just needed a guy to fill my last slot, and he fit the bill, so I just put him there, so shout out to Hudson, I'm rooting for you, dude. I like it. That Ricky pick is pretty gutsy. He's either finishing top 10 or he's not even going to be close to making the cut. It'll be one of the two. I'm definitely also rooting for Ricky. Like he's someone that I think is good for the game. Like people people love him especially when he was coming up, when he was young. He was like a, just enough of flashy and like potential and athletic swing. Like I think I think uh people, you know, I think he'll be good for viewership of the of golf. Absolutely. And I'm definitely someone who loves people who, uh, or loves players that have uh, like a personality. And that's why I picked Juju Smith-Schuster for my fantasy football teams. And that's why I was I like, got... I didn't know he was playing this week. <laughs> that's why I got last and second to last in fantasy football. So hopefully Ricky <laughs> doesn't do me dirty like that. Um, but I agree. Yeah, Ricky, he's uh, he's uh, he's definitely he doesn't have the biggest personality, but for some reason he has that that uh, I guess magnetism towards him, in which just like it makes golf interesting watching Ricky play. All right, everyone, I think that's it for this episode. I want to thank you all for listening, and we're signing off. Peace. Peace.